Good morning and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. My name is Perry Bider, my pronouns are he, him, and I am the officiant this morning. Welcome to everyone for our multimedia platform, whether you're here in the hall, watching on Zoom, or catching the recording later. We are one community united across time and space, gathering to affirm our values and commit to a better world. If you're on Zoom, please check the chat for welcome and various tips from Joe Klein, today's Zoom chat usher. If you're here in the hall and would like an assistive living, listening device, not living device, we could all use those, I'm sure, uh, please ask the sound team in the back. Visitors, a special welcome to you. If you're here in person, please stop by the welcome table after platform today to speak to a greeter or to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas. Those of you visiting online now or later, we invite you to send an email to Maceo at maceot at ethicalsociety.org or to fill out a connection form, which you can find at tiny.cc slash westconnects. I will now read a few of the greetings that folks have written in in the Zoom chat. Uh, folks joining in virtually can use this time to get a candle to light during our candle lighting. So let's see, uh, Mark Mayer says good morning to everyone. Um, Robin says good morning, y'all. Um, Adam Limehouse, Adam Limehouse says good morning. Margaret Conway says good morning from Bethany Beach, Delaware. So far she's got the uh, farthest uh, greeting award for the day. Uh, Barbara Nathanson says good morning. And I think that's it so far, all right. It's good to connect and share this time together. Opening words today are from Kurt Vonnegut. I tell everybody to practice some art, no matter how badly or how well, it doesn't matter. It's the experience of becoming, of creating, that truly matters. It is as important as sex or food. It's a tragedy to me that our schools have cut out cut art out of the curriculum because, they say, it's not a way to make a living. Well, it's not a way to make a living. It's a way to become, to find out what you are, what you can do, what's inside of you. We are delighted today to have Nicole Rumeau and David Cole back to share what's inside of them. Starting with today's opening music, Sam Cooke's A Change is Going to Come. Oh, yeah. 
Thanksgiving weekend, it seems particularly appropriate to be appreciative that the pandemic has eased up enough to allow Nicole and David to come back to give us live music again. Thank you so much. Each week, we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. If you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc read SOP, and I happen to have noticed that the December calendar is wide open. So, today's reader is Julie Drizzen. Thank you, Perry. Morning. 
Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Julie. As Julie lights our community candle, I invite those of you with candles at home to light yours and for everyone to join me in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Time for All Ages story today is It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity written by Teresa Thorne and illustrated by Noah Grugini. This is Ruthie. She is a transgender girl. That means when she was born, everyone thought she was a boy until she grew a little older, old enough to tell everyone that she is actually a girl. Girl is Ruthie's gender identity. This is Ruthie's brother, Xavier. Xavier is a cisgender boy. That means when Xavier was born, everyone thought he was a boy, and as he grew older, it turns out everybody was right. He is a boy. Boy is Xavier's gender identity. There are so many different ways to be a boy or a girl, too many to fit in a book. But not everyone feels like either a boy or a girl. Non-binary is a helpful world that can describe a kid who doesn't feel exactly like a boy or a girl. This is Ruthie's friend, Alex. Alex is both a boy and a girl. When Alex was born, everyone thought Alex was a girl, but Alex is both a boy and a girl. This is Alex's gender identity. This is Alex's friend, JJ. JJ is neither a boy nor a girl. Ever since JJ was very little, they never felt exactly like a boy or a girl. They just felt like themselves. This is JJ's gender identity. Alex and JJ are both non-binary. Just like there are many ways to be a boy or a girl, there are many different ways to be non-binary. Too many to fit in a book. Some kids feel like girls, some kids feel like boys, some kids feel like a little bit of both, part boy, part girl. Some kids don't feel exactly like a boy or a girl. They feel like neither. Some kids feel like their gender identity isn't always the same. 
it is often changing. And even with all those possible ways to be, some kids don't feel any of the words they know fit them exactly right. There are a never-ending number of ways to be yourself. Whether you feel like a boy, a girl, both or neither, or if you describe yourself another way, that is your gender identity. Your gender identity might match what people thought when you were born, or it might not. See, when you were born, you couldn't tell people who you were or how you felt. They looked at you and made some guesses. Maybe they got it wrong. Maybe they got it right. What a baby's body looks like when they're born can be a clue to what the baby's gender will be, but not always. When people guess wrong, it's okay to let them know. Ruthie was five years old when she told her parents. I know you think I'm a boy, but I'm really a girl. Oops, Ruthie was a girl all along. They just didn't know it at first. When people guess right, it's also okay to let them know. Xavier was three and a half when he told his family, I'm a boy, I like being a boy. You might feel like a boy, you might feel like a girl. You might feel like both a boy and a girl or like neither. You might feel like your gender changes from day to day or year to year. You might feel that none of these words perfectly describes you. You might not be sure yet. You might still be figuring it out. Your feelings about your gender are real. Listen to your heart. No matter what your gender identity is, you are okay exactly the way you are, and you are loved. It feels good to be yourself, doesn't it? Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Each week, we ring this, this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, once again, I am particularly mindful of all of those individuals, families, and communities suffering from the scourge of gun violence in this country, and not just the events that make the headlines. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. and let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. Our senior leader, Casey Slack, will now lead us in meditation.
invite you to get comfortable. Maybe take a deep breath if that feels good for you. Sit in a way that is grounding. For some people, that'll be with your feet flat on the floor. For other people, crossed legs feel good. You might want to stretch a little bit, mindful of if there are people next to you. Take slow, deep breaths. Maybe close your eyes or soften your focus. Give yourself a moment to just be here. To be here in the presence of community but also in the presence of yourself. Breathe deeply and visit those places in you where you are most yourself, where you know who you are most deeply. Maybe you find a color there. Maybe a shape. Maybe there are sounds that live in this part of your core. Music that speaks to who you are. Pay attention for a little bit to all that you know about what it means to be you, to your deep knowledge of your own rhythms and flow, shapes and colors. Maybe there are images that live there. Flowers, people you've loved, places you've loved, scenery that makes you feel particularly at home. Breathe gently and be at home in yourself. Continue our meditation in silence that follows and then music.
river is a sage The river knows no ending And the river feels no age river is a leader Every single day It's living in Today's reading is a poem by H. Melt. City of Trans Liberation, after Martin Espada. Where statues of Lou and Sylvia dance in the streets. Where no kids are kicked out or run away from home. Where nobody asks for ID or our real names. Where everybody has a body they believe in. Where we can go outside in the daytime without being harassed. Where we are taught to love instead of kill ourselves. Where Trans Day of Remembrance celebrates those who died of natural causes. Where there are no borders between who we are, who we were, excuse me, 
and who we are becoming. I now turn the lectern back to Casey Slack for their platform address. Thank you, Barry. I'm in a class through the American Humanist Association right now, which is a survey of humanisms past, present, and globally. A couple weeks ago, we had class with someone who you might know, Jay Exodus Hooper, who is also an ethical culture leader. Jay came to class and we were talking about black humanist traditions and a question was brought up. A question for those of us in the class who are working in leadership positions, hoping to work in leadership positions. Are you a theologian or a philosopher? My answer immediately is yes. This is my answer to most either-or questions. Are you this or this? Probably both, sometimes neither. Rarely one or the other. Jay offered another possibility, though. Jay's answer was, before I am either of those, I am an artist. And this is also my truth. I am an artist and my primary work is my own life. The art project I am most invested in is the one in which I am living every day creatively, trying to do something different than what I was handed. It is a mixed media found object type art project. I have been picking up pieces for decades now, not always knowing where they would go, taking them from both the most beautiful and most devastating moments, taking them from the mundane day to day, the simple joy of not having to go to the grocery store by myself anymore. My life is an art project, but also my art projects are art projects. My favorite art, well, let me try a different angle of this. Imagine for a moment your own favorite work of art. Let's start there. Give you a second to pull that into your head. For how many of you is there a whole genre of art that is your favorite? Okay. For how many of you is it a specific work? Is it a painting? A sculpture? A play? 
a musical, a song. If I try to decide what my favorite work of art is, I wind up stuck with all of these different kinds of art it could be. But I do know what makes me cry the most. What makes me cry the most are abstract art pieces that are the size of a wall. This is also the type of work I dream of doing, though my own largest paintings are not quite wall-sized. I have clear memories of visiting an exhibit of abstract art in the Jewish Contemporary Museum in San Francisco while I was in seminary, and the San Francisco Modern Art Museum was closed. I went and I walked through, and there were so many amazing pieces, but at the end, there was a wall, and a Rothko, and a bench. If you're familiar with Marco Rothko's work, it is this color field painting, the sort of thing that people who don't like modern art like to say anyone could have done. But anyone didn't do. Marco Rothko did. And anyone couldn't do because particular color pairings are special. The way the colors go together, the way the size speaks, works on a level beyond the literal, a level that works really well for me. This isn't uh, insistence that you like Rothko. Please feel however you feel about art. But I have cried in front of a color field painting more often than in front of any other painting. And I have been living in art museums since I was a little kid. When I was small, my favorite thing to do for my birthday was get taken out of school for the day so we could go to the Cleveland Art Museum. You might not expect the Cleveland Art Museum to be the grandiose, full, ridiculous thing that it is, but if you ever get the chance to go there, please do. It is huge and has a massive collection of all kinds of art. And I grew up there, baffling my parents with my constant desire to run in the direction of things that didn't look like anything. <laughs> we took a trip to the Cleveland Art Museum a couple of winters ago my parents and Caitlin and I. And my favorite piece that day was a sculpture found in a modern Asian art exhibit. The artist had gone and found broken pieces of pottery from various firing places around the country and had connected them together in just whatever form they wanted to take. It becomes this multicolored, amorphously shaped blob of China reaching up into the air. It seems impossible. My father looked at it for a long while and then looked at me and said, what is it supposed to be? <laughs> and I said, it's not supposed to be anything, but it is 
what I believe in. And he said, what? And left. <laughs> and I stood with the painting, nope, sculpture, for some time, thinking about something that I had been saying in my work as minister, clergy person, theologian, philosopher, artist, whatever, for years. Something that I first said to a patient in the hospital where I worked for many years. Sometimes your life is like a really pretty teacup that you have. And you use your teacup all the time and you carry it around and then you drop it. And it is no longer a teacup. Your life has been unteacupped. You pick up the pieces and maybe the first time it happens, you can just glue the cup back together. Maybe you can sugi it, you put gold in the cracks and it's a little more beautiful than it was last time. But sometimes you drop it and it is not only no longer a teacup, it can never be a teacup again. Sometimes something cracks in your life and what was before is simply over. And now you have to get creative. Now the art project takes on a new scale because you have no model for what this teacup you have loved can be. There is no known shape to put it back into. This is my general approach to life. I have pieces. They aren't even all of the same teacup. They're not even all of teacups. Some of them are just rocks. Some of them are sharp pieces of glass that somebody tried to hurt me with. Some of them are leaves, actually, and little living plants. Some of it is fabric, soft places I have landed. Some of it is earth, the lime-rich soil of my grandmother's house where flowers grew in colors we could not get them to grow at home, the dust of the Joshua Tree Desert, and the sand of every beach I've ever been on. I'm an artist, and my greatest primary work is my own life. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that we, each of us, are artists, making lives sometimes built on a pattern and sometimes completely freeform. Sometimes we've started a pattern, we had all the right pieces for a while, and we have like half a sweater of what we meant to make, and then there's no more pattern no more yarn. And now it's time to spin our own fabric together, to piece together the rest of a sweater, or not, based on what we can see. This is also how community works. But collaborative art is a little less simple than the kind of art you make on your own. If I want to paint something, 
I can get out my paints and canvas and do what I want to do, and nobody needs to be involved but me. I can have an idea or a feeling with the canvas on my own, but if I want to make a film, I probably need more people. I learned so much about making collaborative art from a beloved of mine who is an experimental filmmaker. When you make a film, when you make a big, collaborative, abstract art piece, there are several things I have learned you have to do. First, you have to have a vision. The vision doesn't need to belong to just one person, but it's good if one person is responsible for holding it. The vision can be detailed or vague, depending on how you want to do the art. But somebody has to have the core of what are we doing. And that core has to be communicated to the rest of the team. Somebody has to know, in a sentence, what are we here for? so that anything that gets done can relate back to that sentence. So that there can be any sense made of the work once it's done. Two, you have to let go of your desire to be in charge of every single piece. And that's everybody. Everybody has to let go of that. The director, the producer, the actors, the makeup artists, costume people, things will not go exactly as you planned, especially if what you have done, which in my opinion is what you should do, is pick people who can do the jobs and let them do their work. You get amazing stuff out of this process, but if you pay too much attention to what you thought the details would be, well, you're going to be upset a lot. The third thing is that when you build a frame, magic can happen inside of it. When you know what the point is, and you have assigned people to various pieces of this task, you can let things happen and what you get will likely be more beautiful than anything you could have planned. In the time I have known my friend, Henry Leslie Foster III, he has made 20 films. They are mostly pretty short, and he and I have known each other for seven years. But each time he gets caught on some little detail, and I have to tell you, he will be okay with me telling you this. He gets caught on some little detail every single time. Always something. The costume isn't exactly what he thought it was going to be. The set that he wanted didn't work out. But always, always, once he manages to let go, what comes out 
of the creativity of a group working towards a goal is beyond what any one person could have chosen for themselves. One of my favorite moments of this was a piece that he was making while he was in his MFA. He had to make it really quickly and deep in the pandemic, and he was trying to talk about the pandemic and being a black queer person in Los Angeles, and that's a lot of things all at once. And he had this idea of someone in a box covered in insulation, right? Pink fiberglass stuff, tearing and trying to get out, and of course, getting bloody in the process. But you can't actually put someone in a box with fiberglass insulation and let them do that. That's a really bad idea, no matter how many masks they have on. And so we thought about it together. I, a frequent thinking collaborator for this work. What is pink and fluffy <laughs> and might produce a blood-like effect if somebody was scratching at it? Well, it turns out that the answer is cotton candy. Now, you also can't put somebody in a box of cotton candy. Um, that's too much cotton candy. So then, the actress, another friend of ours, Kessie Moby, said, wait, we can put it on the ground and I can lay in it and dig at it, and that will do something too. And in the end, you have this sort of horrifying, very short film in which someone in a mask is struggling and digging at cotton candy, which melts and gets sticky and red on their skin. And then as you pull away, the bags of cotton candy are shown, which adds this very creepy, intense thing to the project. This was a little collaboration. It was mostly Leslie, Casimovi, and I. But the thing that was created was so much more than if any one of us had tried to do it on our own. Certainly it was Leslie's project. It was Leslie's idea and Leslie's film for Leslie's class. But he doesn't know how to do anything without collaborating. He's a very good filmmaker for that reason. There's this Emerson quote that lives in my head and will no doubt sound a little odd at this moment and in this space, but go with me. A person will worship something. Have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will come out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Now, if you pull whatever feelings you have about the word worship out and think of it as making worth, as giving value, giving focus to something. The stuff you focus on is going to create you.
The stuff we focus on is going to create us. And we live in a time where it is really easy to focus on the individual and what is wrong. Because so much is wrong and we are not used to being with each other. And I don't just mean not used to being with each other in the pandemic sense, though certainly that as well. We are not culturally used to meeting each other, to being changed by each other. We're taught to engage in conversations as competition, to try hard to be the most right all the time, or to acquiesce to someone else being the most right all the time. We're taught to engage in very limited views of one another. When we are, each of us, expansive and weird. We are, each of us, made of contradictions and complicated, beautiful, detailed things. We could, instead, focus on what is good together. Focus on who we are when we are making each other. Who we are when we are making ourselves on purpose and connecting with each other to get ideas and pieces. When we are trading a little bit of my broken glass for perhaps your sandpaper. Things that can smooth each other out. Pieces we have collected that might be tools that make each other's lives more beautiful, less painful. There is a concept that you might have heard about gender euphoria. Now, probably have heard of gender dysphoria, right? Dysphoria is what we think of as the classical way that people know that they are trans. My gender felt wrong, and so I did something else. But dysphoria isn't the only gender experience available, nor is it actually the only way a person might know that they are trans. Something feeling bad isn't the only information. Something feeling good is also information. Gender euphoria is experienced when people gender you correctly, when you are living in your body in a way that feels right. What does it look like if we stop defining things by what's bad? and talk about them from the angle of what's good? What if instead of, let's not misgender people because it feels bad when you do, let's not misgender people because it feels really good when you don't, because we care about each other's joy. Let's let there be space for playing with what it looks like to have a gender at all because it feels good to have space, even if what you wind up with is, yeah, you were right at first. 
What if, instead of worrying about how many people show up on Sunday, we were excited about everyone who's here? What if, instead of worrying about how much money we have, we were excited about the possibility of what we can do? What if we took our challenges as opportunities? Said, I would love to see more people on Sunday morning and turn that into inviting people in. What if we said, I wish more people knew about Wes and turn that into telling our friends, knowing that sharing our joy is not the same as telling people that if they don't do your thing, you're gonna go to hell. <laughs> Right? Very different things. What if we focused on what feels good? On being together, on seeing and being seen complexly. On all the new shiny things that get put into our work of art when we invite more people in. I mean that in at least six different ways. When we invite them into the building, when we invite them into our lives, when we invite ourselves as a community and as individuals to be changed and to move towards change from euphoria rather than fear. I am an artist and my greatest primary artwork is my own life. We are all artists, and our greatest works of art are our own lives. Maybe so. Thank you, Casey. In a few minutes, we'll have our community sharing time when you can write into the chat or share in person about what resonated with you in this platform. While we listen to today's musical response, you might prepare by reflecting on a personal experience or an activity at West that the platform brings to mind. Thank you. 
is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or on what resonates with our personal experience. For our online participants, I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or in the comments if you're watching the recording later. If you're here in person, you can come to the microphone here on the floor, but please keep your comments brief so that others may also share. I will start by reading the initial Zoom comments. Uh, this is from Adam Limehouse. To Casey's point, my favorite piece of physical art is Picasso's Guernica. It is immense in content, and Picasso executed both pencil and paint studies of almost every element. It was deeply moving to see the artist's process and then to be able to sit with the whole enormous piece. Um, that is all I am seeing online at the moment. Uh, we can take comments here in the hall. Hi, I'm Shayla, she, her. Uh, I just love the focus on the positive, the euphoria, you know, you know, all the little reminders to reach out to folks and, you know, even if it seems hard, I, I, uh, I read a book called Atomic Habits about how if you just change one little thing, you know, maybe just invite one person or if you change some, like, your direction by one degree in California and you're flying across the country, you'll end up at a so anyway, my point is, small little things, just to make a little effort, it might make a big difference. Hi, my name's Peter. Uh, he, him, his. <clears throat> so as I was listening to the story this morning, uh, that's uh, been stirring some thoughts that I've been having over the last month or so. Uh, since we've been having so many uh, platforms about uh, gender issues. And as I look back on my own life, and I think about gender issues for myself, and especially this morning, I, I love the part of the story where I said, look, there's so many different ways of doing it, all right? And so as I thought, I said, so what is my way? I said, well, my way has been to largely not pay much attention to it. And so, um, uh, uh, you know, to me, what fascinated me was math and thinking things through, okay? And so that was the focus of what I was doing. So I really didn't pay that much attention to, well, is this manly or, you know, or whatnot. Also, I had a tendency to play with girls as a young, as a young boy. And so I just said, okay, they're busy doing their thing and I'm, trying to interact with them as best I can, and, uh, and we're just doing stuff. And, um, and I've never really been worried about my appearance. I've just said, oh my goodness, what can I do so I don't have to keep worrying about this? And so I do that. <laughs> and uh, my sister then told me, oh yes, you look like an FBI agent. Okay? But, and I said, well, look, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing this. Most people just don't, don't give me any hassle for the way I look at all. All right, well, anyway, so I just wanted to share with people that uh, thing. And I don't know how many other people this is true of, but it's certainly one way of doing it. It's the way I do it. Thanks. We have another comment here online from Cynthia Goodman. When I was younger, I strongly identified as an artist. 
Now that I'm older and I'm not producing art as I used to on a regular basis, I've stopped saying that I'm an artist. I have felt so sad about that loss of real productive creativity in my life. KC reminded me that I can still be an artist, even if it's not in the same way as when I was younger. I too love the focus on the positive. Thank you, Casey. And, uh, you know, for myself, I've always identified as female. I have no problem identifying as female. However, I am often feeling a sense of uh, resentment towards society's definition of what female means. So I don't actually feel non-female. I don't want to be a different kind of female. I want society to accept me as female for who I am. Good morning, my name is Linda, and this is my first time here, and I'm just overwhelmed with the beauty of, this, of, your, of your talk and with the people here. So I think that we're all wonderful pieces of art. We come in different shapes, sizes, hair texture, color, and, I, and what I've learned in my life is if we embrace who we are and love ourselves, nothing Everything around us becomes love and we're able to give it. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I feel ever more loved. <laughs> uh, and being in love with myself helps me to love others. So thank you so much. So I'm Bill Wilson, and, um, and I, I appreciate these discussions. I, I, I was kept thinking about the story all the way through um, Casey talking about the other issues, I mean, expanding on it. And I, I kept losing track of Casey. And I'm, still, I'm still stuck on this, um, the, the gender, and you can fit here and there. And, and, I, um, and I, so, so, you know, in this past hour or so, I, I, I've come to the question, like, what is the function of gender nowadays? Like, we're asking these questions about um, you, boy or girl or something in between. And so I guess that's, that's my question. What is the function of gender? And, you know, I, I can see gender having a function historically and begin to think about things about societies surviving when, when communities could die out and, and a, a whole bunch of things that no longer bother us, but we carry those structures forward. So I, I, I guess for me, the, what I get out today is, well, gee, what is the function of gender nowadays? Love the response period here. <laughs> oh, looks like we got a couple more customers. <laughs> Good morning, I'm Julie, she, her. Um, I haven't been here in a long time, and it feels really good, great to be here uh, with everybody today. Um, I, I have some sad news, and that is that I did not win the Powerball. Um, I'm not really a gambler, but I did allow myself to buy a single randomly chosen ticket 
when it was $2 billion, and of course Wes would benefit if I had one. Um, <laughs> but I feel today like I've won the lottery because I came here. The, uh, the platform was really moving. It spoke to me on many, many levels. Um, as somebody who loves art and doesn't want to live a in a world without art and loves artists, I really appreciate what you said. I love the story about gender and gender identity, and the music has been so amazing. I feel like I didn't know that you were going to be here, and as soon as I walked in and saw that you were here, I was like, this was the right place to be. So, thank you. There went a hearing aid, which I'm very proud of myself for wearing, by the way. I've been in denial forever, okay? Um, the first thing I need to say is you guys, my God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Casey, with your platforms, there's so much to think about that I don't know which piece to pick up. But what I'm picking up right now is that I think we've been, God, I've been doing it, wallowing in negative reactions and horror since 2016. And rightly so, rightly so. But my husband, who's been teaching forever, he's at the University of Maryland, kind of manages to give me a feel for what young people as we call them, are these days. And previously, that's been kind of upsetting. I, I remember there was an academic period where everybody was whiny and took offense at everything and accused my husband of, uh, I think it was sexual assault or something, because he closed her computer because she was shopping online during his lecture, okay? I mean, it just crazy things. But here's the good news. He has said so many wonderful things about the ages te he's teaching right now. I mean, just over and over and over again. Um, one thing that's particularly good about them is they seem to be very non-judgmental and accepting. And I'm just thinking that's great, but I like to travel in my mind and apply to more than just them. Now, this is a huge, fairly sloppy generalization, but it really made me happy, so I want to share it. Okay, who parented them in a general sense? The millennials did. Well, who parented the millennials? We did. Okay? So, most of us in this room have really done something right. Hi, I'm Sonia. My pronouns are she and her. Listening to this whole conversation made me think about something structural. Um, you know, we were talking about positivity, and we were talking about celebrating all of the people who are here. And I found myself thinking, there aren't as many of us here as there have been at some times in the past, 
And maybe that's an opportunity, right? Because we've had the opportunity to hear from far more people, like a greater percentage of the people who are here than we might have otherwise. And it makes me wonder whether there are structural things that we could do to like celebrate the people who are here and, you know, maybe have a different kind of discussion or something that is based around the premise that, hey, there aren't that many people here. We can connect better with each other. Interesting. Uh, one more online comment and then we will move on. This is from Mark Mayer. My son is an artist who lives in Los Angeles and is becoming successful. I'm going to send Casey's platform to him and see what he thinks. As I say, I love the response period here. It adds so much to the morning's experience. Thank you to everyone who has shared and who has uh, provided their attention to those who are sharing. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This month, we're sharing half of the offering with Casa Brumar, an organization that seeks to bridge the gap in support for education, social services, and human dignity of the LGBTQ plus community in Prince William County and elsewhere in Virginia. It provides a physical meeting space and social services to that community and to other at-risk and disadvantaged individuals experiencing homelessness, abandonment, and cruelty. It also encourages and supports members of the LGBTQ community in their academic endeavors. Let's all take a moment to respond to the invitation to generosity. For those who are able to give today, we offer several options. As noted on the screen, the number to give by text is 202-335-1885. And you can donate online via tiny.cc slash westgives or by clicking on give on our website, ethicalsociety.org. You can place cash or a check in the basket at the back of the hall on your way out. And of course, the US mail is always happy to deliver checks to the office. So thank you for your generosity. We will now receive your gifts and the delightful gift of music from Nicole and David. So sorry that I mixed up the last song, but here's Landslide for the last song was Age of War. And then I turned around And I saw my reflection Snow-covered hills The landslide brought it down Oh, mirror in the sky What is moon? Can the child that's in my heart changing ocean tides can i handle the seasons of my 
life around you But time makes you bolder And even children get older And I'm growing older Thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Staff members and our miles, Robin Kravitz, Maceo Thomas, and Tom Hutton. Interim music coordinator, Leah Morris. Our guest musicians, Nicole Rameau and David Cole. Tech team members, Denise Howell, Pat McNeely, Michael Dimion. Slide artists, John and Abby Dakin. Zoom chat usher, Joe Klein. In-person greeters, Roberta Geyer and Adam Briskin Limehouse and virtual coffee hour host, Kristen Hunter. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for social hour in person around the foyer and on the patio or for that virtual coffee hour via Zoom. First though, I want to mention a few things coming up here at WES. The Science Fiction Book Club will be meeting via Zoom this afternoon at 1 p.m. to talk about The Caves of Steel by Isaac Asimov. The focus for next month will be the recent film, Everything Everywhere All at Once. So that should be a fun discussion. Please contact Adam Briskin Limehouse for details or contact info. I think it's safe to say that the US is now officially in the season of giving. And that's true here at West as well. If you didn't sign out an ornament from our giving tree last Sunday, I believe you can do so today. 
Each one is labeled with a gift designated for someone served by the Purple Stars Foundation of DC, which seeks to enrich lives and bring hope to people affected by homelessness, or for El Rodeo, our sister community in El Salvador. Gifts purchased for the Giving Tree are due by Sunday, December 11th. You can bring them here or to the home of Genevieve McDowell Owen, who is also the person to contact for more information. And if you're looking for that special gift for someone in your own life, you might want to check out the official West merchandise at www.bonfire.com slash store slash West. There you can find t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies in, of course, a full rainbow of colors. Finally, a quick reminder that West's Sunday Ethical Education for Kids or SEEK program is looking for more volunteers parents or non-parents, to assist in the program that helps our terrific young people become who they are meant to be. Please email Andara at ndaram at ethicalsociety.org to find out how you can help. That's it for today's announcements. As always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the Sunday links or news and notes emails and on the calendar page of Wes's website. Thank you all for being part of Platform today, whether in person, via Zoom, or watching later. I invite you now to join in our closing song, Changes, by Ziggy Marley. Oh 
Uh, a few last reminders before we leave. If you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. And for those who wish to socialize online to reach virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. Now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment to mutuality, bringing our whole selves and honoring the fullness of one another in our quest for a better world. Again, thank you all for joining in today's platform. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.